and we are live. Uh, this is episode five of Two Shades of Brown, and I'm Sadek. And I'm, once again, you know, best eyebrows in the motherfucking game, Christian Colojo. How, how are you doing this week, Sadek? Wow, uh, it's been absolutely fantastic, really. It's a fantastic week. I have to say the same. Uh, well, fantastic as in I've been busy all week with school and Metal Gear Solid Five. Metal Gear Solid Five is um, is a fantastic game. Just I'm gonna just put that out there right now. It's it's mechanically fantastic, but it's lacking in story. I feel like uh, most of the story is hidden away in uh, cassette tapes, so you have to listen to it actively. Like if you don't listen to it, you're missing out. Which I feel like well, wasn't there like um, they found like a thing right that there's a whole entire third chapter. Yes. Cut from yeah, the I, th- the yeah. I think I think uh, Kojima ran out of budget and time or or time, and uh, Konami decided to kill the kill and release the game like that. So they had they were forced to basically put like a bunch of story as cassette tapes that you have to listen to, which I haven't actually been doing. I've been just playing the game. And one big issue that everybody's been um, sort of uh, angry um, about this game is the fan service, specifically uh, Quiet. Um, what are your thoughts on that, Christian, before I go on a mini rant? Oh, okay, so if you've just uh, set the stage for people who don't play Metal Gear Solid, like me, I just I appreciate it from the side. Uh, Quiet is a. Uh, you can have multiple NPCs, or you can play with them too, right? You can play. Um, them. They are buddies. They can't play as them. They assist you in like missions. They have various abilities, and they can. Uh, you can do. They make them do certain things. All right, so like think about in Fallout Four or Skyrim, where you can have people fall. You can have followers like that yes. same sort of thing, right? Yes. So, yeah. Quiet essentially is a. Uh, she's a woman, and she uh, is wearing a bikini and like. Just uh, yeah, just like bikini and like some sandals or something like that. Yeah, She's not not combat ready at all. Just no. a little bit of a chest plate armor, nothing else. No. And it's the thing about it is that Kojima's explanation is that um. Okay, the basic a- explanation is she breathes through her skin, which is so flimsy that you could like, it's even more flimsy than the clothes she's wearing. Really, seriously, it's so bad. Um, let's just get out of the way because that explanation is just bullshit. Everybody knows it's there because it's fan service, because cosplay, because selling selling models. That's it, really. The just... best part about it, though, is that in earlier games, there's another character because it's like parasites, right? That makes her have to breathe through her skin and stuff. Blah, yes. blah, blah. Hashtag just Metal Gear things. There was <laughs> another character in the um, in earlier Metal Gear games that has the same problem. And dude's wearing a full trench coat and shit. Like, nah, I don't fly. He's wearing like a full body, like just suits and boots and all that. Yeah, the, um, that, what are you talking about in Snake Eater is he's called The End. He's one of the bosses that he beat in that game. And he is also a sniper. Um, it's actually one of the best boss fights in all of the Metal Gear games. But, uh, yeah, he's fully clothed, like, top to bottom. And, yeah, it's, it, it can, it's just, there is fan service in Snake Eater, but it's not in that. So you, can, you cannot be like, yeah, it's, it's like story valid logic, but it's not. It's really not. It's just 
very flimsy. Just so super flimsy. And there's more fan service. Um, I don't want to spoil a lot, but there's one cutscene where it's really obvious that that could, what Kojima is trying to do with with the cameras, which is really bad. We know, man. He probably drops it down to thirty frames per second too to give it that cinematic. Feel. No, it, yeah, you know, you know what? No, you're you're joking about that, but the camera actually does the slow pan move, and it focuses on the fan service, like. Like the camera is focused. There's no ifs or buts about it. It's just there. Um, just, I mean, I get the fan service, but seriously, it's just quiet was just taking it too far, I guess. I mean, I guess there's the, the most people are coming to a point now where it's like fan service kind of died off of Dead or Alive. After that, it's either you got to go all in or just don't do it. Because if you do it, if you do it in a slight amounts, it's just tacky now. I think maybe it's you, a cultural even, thing, but I don't. I think you I don't do it. it. Got to own up to it. Uh, yeah. I think what the problem most people have is this is this is an M-rated game, and it's fine to have uh, fan service or whatever, right? Where adults are supposed to be playing this game. Yeah. Um, but the reasoning that Kojima came up with. It's just very like it's. It doesn't do him any service either because it's a fantastic game. He should be applauded for that. But he he just says that it's it's because she breathed through her skin. Like really, is that is that all you can come up with? Is that your reasoning? If it's fanciful, just say it. It's and nobody's gonna and not freak out over that. It's just fan service. <sighs> Speaking about fan service, though. And no, nowhere near as uh, in that sense of the term, Taken King dropped, and that thing is just a love letter to anyone who has played Destiny and like continue to play it because it, <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't like I. So I've I've spent the last week doing nothing but playing Taken King. I, the max level is three hundred and ten, and I got my character to two ninety. You start out at one seventy right. if you were playing if if you were top level last year or the first year of the game right before the expansion dropped, mm-hmm. and so. It's so good, but it's good in the sense that if you're already into the game, right, it does yeah. absolutely nothing to bring in new players. All mm-hmm. they do is to give, like, the carrot on the stick for new players is that they'll give you a level boost up to level 25. Right. So you can start playing the new expansion content right away. But it's definitely, like, it's definitely, like, uh, it's fan service to the fans of the game. Yeah, it's, like, it's improvements to people who already like the game. It yeah, isn't. Definitely. Because, like, for example, right, there used to be a light system where you had to grind for gear, it had a certain light attribute, and that was tied to your character level. Right. Now character level is 1 through 40, but your light level is a 1 through 310, right? Right. And so if you just get higher defense gear, it's an average of your attacks and your defense. Mm-hmm. So higher-powered gear will just bring up your light level. And your light level, you deal more damage to enemies, and you uh, you have better defense overall. Yep. Right? And so it's it's more it's like World of Warcraft in that sense. A lot of it they just rip from World of Warcraft, which is perfectly fine. There's a reason why WoW is still a thing, right? Well, yes, WoW's uh, successful expansion model is is a thing. Though people would argue with me about how successful expansions are and how they have ruined the game, etc. But but the point being here is that they're essentially just fixing it for people who are um, already playing. Yeah, yeah. If you're a new player, you're still going to have to grind for gear and all that. There's even if you're at 25, the raid is level 42 with a light of 290. 
that's 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 over twice of what you have to rise and or ascend in sort of levels before you yeah. can access some of that content. They essentially added more end game content, which which is what yeah. I mean, there's nothing like I have yet to finish most of the stuff. So how it works is there's six main story missions in the new campaign, right? It takes you four hours to beat, and right. in that there's about 15 cutscenes. So like within the first two missions, you've already had more story than the entire first year of the game, <laughs> which is great. But it's still like you still have to be into it. There's still the problem where you go around and you unlock these uh, cards called Grimoire cards, and you still have to go to Bungie's reps website to read them. You still can't read lore in the game. Right. That's that's that. I don't know why they won't fix that. They're very stubborn about that. It seems they don't want to. It's, it's even a pain to get in the mobile app too. It's like hidden there too. So. Like, all these fixes are for people who've been playing the game. All the quality of life improvements are meant for those who have been enjoying the game, right? Yeah. Because there's nothing to bring in new players that much. Because they did redo all the year one content. Yeah. Like they crunched down light levels. They mixed the expansion content to the original content so the story flows better. Right. So you don't have to beat the main story to unlock expansion content. As soon as you go, like, to the moon, you unlock the expansion that takes place in the moon. Mm-hmm. It's just a separate quest line. Yeah, it's definitely. I think they gave up on the story. Really, it's like, yeah, whatever. It's it's. We'll, well just I think put they're it... trying to fix it, right? But I mean, they fixed it a lot with the Taken King. Like the, the characters actually talk to each other. There's a lot more actual dialogue. They <laughs> there's a couple. I don't want to spoil anything, but there's a couple of missions on Venus where, like, on the subreddit, people have spent months talking about like the set certain set of lore that takes place on Venus. There's an entire mission just going into that. Hmm. So. Like that's the kind of stuff that makes it aimed towards fans of the game series instead of new players. But I will say that they did fix the the drought of content problem because once you so you get about five new quests once you start the main story. Some right. of them are just a PvP quests in case you don't like PvE that much. Right. Because they added so they have like end game PvP content now that they added in. Mm-hmm. So you can do those quest lines to get some of sort of the uh, end game PvE gear. Yeah. And so. But once you beat the main storyline, you are bombarded with about 30 quests. And, like, I have yet to beat all of them. You have to beat, like, six of them to get the quest line for the raid. Even though you can go into the raid anyways, but there's a quest line for the raid itself. You have to beat at least, like, six different quests to even unlock that one. So they're, they fixed the whole entire, we ran out of things to do, right? I think the questif- questification of the game was a really great thing. But they still they just haven't done anything to bring new car- new people or new players on. Yeah, I think at this point that's not what they're aiming for. They want to keep the base they have, because for a multiplayer game, um, what do you want to do? Is yes, you want to attract new players, but you also want to keep a solid player base going because otherwise, without the player base, you don't have a game. Mm-hmm. So. And even too, I think if they um, if they improve the game for the core players, right, then those people will kind of, will try and get their friends into it, right? Word of mouth yes, instead yes. of directly Word. advertising to yes. new players. So what what ha- it's like a delicate balance. Um, uh, I, I play multiplayer games, Plant Side Two, same problem, same set of issues where you're introducing stuff that is improving. It's quality of life improvements for older players, more experienced players. Um, so quality of life improvements for older players, they come back to their game, they bring their friends back to the game. You don't want to make very radical changes that drive pe- drive experienced players out of the game because that, once you once you start getting uh, experienced player loss, your game is um, is losing blood. Really, it's at that point. Yeah. It's uh, 
it's very bad because See, that's what the that's like what the consumables for right the one that brings you up to the level to do new expansion that's mm. essentially so if you want to play with your friends right not yeah. just because if you're a new player what's the if you're playing by yourself then what's the reason for you to jump up to that level right yeah it's definitely uh it's definitely a multiplayer game problem where you, you introduce quality of life improvements over very radical changes uh, in the game or you introduce radical changes part by part so you don't uh it's like the frog in the boiling water mm -hmm. sort of thing going on although one area i'm super happy they fixed is the raid now because with the previous raids you could just break the level if you had yeah. a certain there's a so for the hunter there's a class called hunters and they have a double jump right if you, right. A certain, you can unlock a triple jump <laughs> and there's a pair of exotic boots that give you an extra jump so right. you have four jumps right Oh my god! So during what during both of the raids, you used to be able just to break the level and go across without having to complete any of the objectives. But they broke <laughs> that. They, they fixed that now. I mean, the Taken King. You need six people to do the raids. I was doing <laughs> the first third of it last night. Yeah, which I got kicked from because people are mean. But <laughs> it was you. Teamwork's like it's actually required now. And in terms of the bosses, they're not bullet sponges anymore. So that's good. Uh, yeah, there's just yeah. one boss, right? Where you're completely in the dark. The best way to see him is to throw down grenades that flare up, right? It's like oh, grenades or whatever. I see. Okay. okay. And he, so you you have to, and some of the enemies are glowing too, right? So that's how you're able to see where he's at. Mm -hmm. So you're completely in like a dark arena, and you just have to battle. That's, that like, sounds like a boss fight in Metal Gear Solid Five, where uh, there's the cutscene I was talking about. That's when it happens. I don't want to spoil it, so I'm trying to talk about it indirectly. Um, the area is is covered in mist, mm -hmm. and the enemies are a bunch of snipers. So you gotta you gotta be like very careful because you can't see them, but they but they can see you very well over long distance because because logic game logic, obviously. Um, yeah, and it's just it's not, they're not bullet sponges. They take well. They're hard to kill because you cannot aim at them directly. They'll notice you, so you gotta sneak around them. Basically, you, you don't have to kill them. It's Metal Gear Solid bosses are they're not really bosses. They're mini bosses. I'm just gonna say that. Yeah. There's no real boss fights in Metal Gear Solid Five except probably one, which a lot of people hate. Well, that's enough about Metal Gear Solid Five. I think. Uh, I think we should move on to the biggest ev events this week. Um, is it a uh, Windows 10 on the Xbox One? No, it's def It's not. Nobody know, know, knows that happened. It's just, it's uh, iOS nine. iOS nine was released on uh, Wednesday. Um, and more importantly, though, with the release of iOS nine, there was a move to iOS app on the Play Store. And or Android. Yeah, on and Android. The reviews yeah. are. I'm I'm, I'm blocking every Android person on Google Plus. That's that's how that's going, man. They're all blocked. It's uh, it's a, I think to to say that we didn't expect that would be uh, naive, but really people are being. Uh, I I realize some of it is just pose law, like people are just trolling and having yeah. fun. But you can't tell the difference between the people who are genuinely being idiots and the people who are just trolling. Yep. So it's just really like. I mean, it's a good thing that app exists. I, I wanted to know in the reviews if that app actually works properly. Like, if it actually does what it's supposed to be doing, like moving data up from Android to iOS. Mm -hmm. 
that's its purpose. And if that is not what it's good at, then that's what should be in the reviews, not stupid fanboy crap. Uh, it's not cool. Speaking of iOS 9, really, it's mostly a bug fix release, but there's some new features. Most notably, the first thing you'll notice as soon as you upgrade and boot the phone or, or tablet is the font change. And you're That's the ex- nice. expert. You're the expert okay, on fonts. Let me fonts. explain here. San Francisco is a custom in-house font that first appeared on the Apple Watch. Right. San Francisco yes. is. I say it's in the same quality as the font used on Windows Phone and Windows Ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, Segoi. It's it's nice. Some people don't like it, but no. Okay. The, I... issue, the issue with Helvetica beforehand is that it was too light. You can't get a good balance with Helvetica Noir to make it. Like so, you want the lightness, right? You want to make it look modern, right? right. But you also don't want it to be just hard to read. So True. using Apple's own in-house font makes it nicer because you can custom tweak everything for it instead of using an existing font and True. trying to modify that. Yeah, I think it's one of those fonts. Uh, I'm I'm not sure I like it entirely, but it's okay. Like I can deal with it. It's not horrible. It's it's different. It's well, I mean, it's it's kind of boring too. It is boring. Like, yes. Fonts, uh, display fonts are not supposed to have personality because you're, no, you're going to read yeah. them for. You're going to read articles in your RSS feeder with them. You're going to read uh, things your friends have sent you in that. Yes, yeah, so I'm going to be reading emails and whatnot with them. So it's that it's going to be have to be yeah. neutral. Yeah. So it's it's very good at being neutral. It's uh, it's definitely got that in in spades. And other things, improvements in Siri is one big thing that you've noticed. They brought back the swipe to left. Uh, search uh, spotlight thing where you also have access to what is called uh, series uh, intelligence stuff. So they have uh, most used apps, uh, contacts, and the news thing that is in there. For example, um, say if you, whenever you plug in your headphones, the first app you launch is Spotify. Siri will know that. Like it'll learn that and. Whenever you plug in your headphones, a little uh, Spotify icon will appear on the bottom left corner. Nice. You could directly launch Spotify from that from the lock screen. So that is that is what I, that is really nice. That is uh, that is what I wanted, and that's super nice because every time I plug in my headphones, the first app I launch is Spotify. So that's that, and they added. They redid the notes app. I okay that I don't use the notes app. How does it do, how is it compared to OneNote though? Since you played with it, and I assume you use OneNote. Um, I use OneNote. Um, I would still say OneNote is better. It's it doesn't compare to OneNote, but I don't think it is supposed to. How about like Evernote then? Maybe is it like no, it definitely does not compare to Evernote. Evernote is ridiculous. It's crazy. It's like Evernote is like. What, it's like max level note taking app. It's just it has all the features, and I don't know. And I, I think Apple was going for a more simple, but still adding stuff like for, proper formatting and whatnot yeah. to notes. Yeah, they redid the app UI, and it's better integrated with iCloud, and so that's that. Mm-hmm. Also, they finally added transit to Maps. Only in certain cities, but yes, they added transit to maps. Is it and, in Toronto though? Yes, it is actually in Toronto. For some have reason. you used it? I try. It's it's pretty good, but the problem is I, the problem I have with uh, transit in stuff like Google Maps or transit in stuff like Apple Maps is it's slow to retrieve the information 
there's a lot of things that I have to be touching the app for to get the information. You have to switch yeah. modes to transit in Apple Maps before it'll show you transit lines. I have an app called Transit that when I when I open it, it uses your location to find the the routes that are near you and shows you how like the times that they're going to be coming for mm -hmm. bus route. And that's what I want. I don't want on and on a map. I really don't. It actually isn't very helpful because the routes I take, I know where they are. I know. Yeah. You just want the times when they're coming, yes. right? Yeah. I know. I, know, I want to know the times, really. That's that's basically it. And so it's a good improvement. It should be in Apple Maps, but it's it's not like a like a deal breaker. Like I, I really want to use it all the time. Um, they also brought in a thing that people have been saying the a small improvement to the keyboard where the case changes. Some people, John Gruber, for example, thinks it's bad. He thinks that it's disorienting, it's inconsistent, it's confusing. Man, you just need a better shift key. But thankfully, you can turn it off. The uh, you can make the cat yes. the keys all caps yeah, all the time. Yes, the shift can... key was fixed too, though, because the shift key was really ambiguous last. Yes, time. it was. was. Sometimes I couldn't tell it was in uh, caps. If you're not paying attention, yeah, you can start typing in all caps. Um, but yes, that's a nice improvement. Uh, some people say it's because your mind has to context switch. Uh, I don't think that's a real problem. People like to think it's a problem. If you've used Android or Windows Phone and you haven't used yeah. an iPhone for the entire of your entire mobile experience, you'll be fine with this change. Maybe if you've only used iOS, it'll throw you off. But uh, coming from Android, I didn't actually really notice that change. It isn't that big of a deal, but uh, it's a quality of life improvement, really. Um, yeah, it's. <laughs> They brought in multi-app multitasking to iPad, which I don't really care about because I don't. But use. I need to point out once again: don't buy an Android tablet. This is this is uh, yes. some life advice for you kids. <laughs> buy a Windows, buy a Surface, buy a Windows tablet. There's advantages and there's downsides. You know, you don't or have that many iPad. great tablet specific apps. Buy an iPad. You know, depends. Buy one of those, you'll be fine. iOS nine is great for iPads. iPads are great. Yes, now. iPads are good. To be honest iPads are getting the real boost here with iOS 9, to be honest. Yeah. It, it's really more focused on iPad this time with all the multitasking and... Which is uh, really great, I mean, because iOS on the phone was really good right now, right? It just needs yeah. some bug fixes and all that yeah, speed improvements, which is fine. Take a year to fix some bugs, I'm okay with that, but improve it on the on the iPad, that's even better. Because on the Android side, like, I don't think Android on tablets has been touched since Jelly Bean 4.2. Right. So other small improvements that are not user-facing are things like um, they made the default passcode uh, size six digits instead of four. Uh, so you won't notice that if, if you're just upgrading an existing phone because it doesn't touch that. But if you're, if you're buying a new phone, buy a new iPhone, you, you'll, you'll notice that it's six digits now by default. You can still you can still choose to do a four digit, so don't lose your sleep over that. Um, yeah, don't also, worry. For those of you who use your bank pin to unlock your phone, you can still do that. Yeah, uh, they did a small improvements for people who put their phones screen down. I don't know why people do that, but they do. And apparently, iOS nine now detects that when your phone is in like uh, face down. And it will you won't light up the screen for notifications for when you when you have that. That's nice, actually. Yes, that actually saves battery. That's a battery saving uh, feature right there. 
And also, too, if you want to just have your notifications be silenced, right, just flip over your phone for a bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's definitely uh, small improvements. And really, that's basically it with iOS 9, to be honest. It's just, oh, well, we're going to segue into a very uh Well, firstly, how about like the uh, Siri as Google Now things, right? The sort of Google okay, um, let Siri me, let me have just, you Have just, you tried any of those? Uh, yes. As I said, one of the small things is mm -hmm. the the frequently used app thing, frequently co used contacts, which was there before, but it's more prominent now. Well, I mean, does it also does it show other information though when you open the when you swipe on your home screen there, or is it just like how how close it's like Cortana or Google now? Um, it's not that uh, because when you swipe to the left, you get you the the first thing you get is the search bar, which is which was there. You get Siri suggestions, which are uh, most frequently contacted uh, contacts. And those contacts can change depending on context. So say if you have an appointment and an appointment is linked to a contact, that contact will show up in that place near the time of the appointment. So it integrates with uh, the calendar app. That's what I'm saying. All right. All right. Um, there's also frequently used apps, so apps that you, the last four apps that you used on iPhone because of the screen size, and nearby, which is the real more Google Now feature, where um, nearby restaurants, nearby coffee shops, nearby convenience stores, and nearby nightlife. I don't know how useful that is. I think because I have that turned off. Is it you don't go clubbing static? Is that no? I do not. I, I do not find that feature very useful because. How about the new multitasking view, though? Some people don't like that new cards view. Okay. Um, I. Um, to be honest, I sort of like it. It's nice. Yeah, I feel like it's designed well. It's pretty smooth. Uh, it's. It reminds me of Ubuntu phone. Does it? It's like a cards UI. It reminds me of. Yeah, that whole entire side stack where like they're all tilted at an angle. It's exactly how it looks on oh. Ubuntu phone when you multitask. I see. Yeah, so like it's like the blurred out uh, cards and then focus on the card. Mm -hmm. uh, one thing you should know with that is if you swipe away something, it it initiates a task kill. So it actually kills the app entirely. I um, didn't know this. I th it, this behavior has changed since from before. Uh, I think I think it has changed. I'm not sure. Because yeah, clearing the apps used to never used to not do anything, right? Yeah, it didn't do anything. But now, if you have say uh, Spotify, uh, and you in the task uh, in the task switcher, and then you swipe it away, it will kill Spotify. So it'll so if any music is playing, it will stop, and you have to relaunch the app. All so right. so the behavior has changed, and I don't think any of the reviews mentioned that, or is it, or is if I'm missing something, I, I'm not sure with that. But that's a thing. And I think that's basically covers most of the features. I, Apple Pay is a thing, but that uh, it's not here in Canada, so I can't really uh, talk about that in any way. So that's a thing. Uh, to segue into... So basically, so, so let me also say this next part here. Safari has a new feature called Content Blockers. Right. Uh, you, so, at, at a at a high level, content blockers is there's a domain you want to block. Add that to a list. Safari does not load anything from that domain. Correct. 
And so obviously, you know, you can use it for ad blocking. <laughs> media Twitter, specifically tech media Twitter, has lost their shit this week over it, and it has been beautiful. There's, uh, there has been a lot of uh, like Twitter conversation about how ad, how the ethics of ad blocking. Seriously, I, I don't. Even so know. if you if you followed the show, you know we touched upon it. And at the end of the day, like so, my my opinion on it is it's still unchanged that sites deserve to make money. But I mean, tech bloggers don't like See, the, the era of tech bloggers living in New York making fifty thousand a year, right? <laughs> Just writing two words a day on the latest gadgets, or two thousand words a day on the latest gadgets. That's gonna end eventually, and people are ad blocking for think, a reason. I think the smart people here are already already adapting to a world where ad blockers are more common. Um, so even the, native content, right? The yes, sponsor, even yeah. even advertising industry is adapting. The smart people are adapting. The dumb people are gonna be whining about it. Because they stake too much of their revenue on ads, so they and even they stake too much of their revenue of their blah. Let's try that word again. Sentencers are hard guys. English is a hard language. <laughs> most of these companies, or most of these blogs, rather, they um, target their content towards things that will get the most clicks. So, for example, everyone's favorite blog, The Verge, on one of their recent podcasts, said their high, their heaviest, their high, their most traffic posts for all of 2014, the summer of 2014, rather, was one on Miley Cyrus at the VMAs. Yes. That's, that's not sustainable content. No. It comes um, because and I, I think, too, that for slaves like a non-tech, like I said before, they're always going to be fine because the most it's, – it's like there's sort of – I think sites like a non-tech – I think sites like Anantech could benefit from a subscription model because yeah. the con content like is Yeah, stories, for example, um, we linked a review to their I we linked to their iOS nine review in the uh, in the show notes, mm-hmm. which you can find at twoshadesofbrown.com. But so they have some they launched something called Club Mac Stories, which is supplemental content which is paid for for people who really love the site. Right, I think that is the model some sites are going to be switching to. So like the Ars Technica model. Um, where the where it's a paid subscription and you get certain features. Uh, sites probably are thinking about that. The thing is, if it's that sustainable for every site, it's probably not. You have to scale down, and if you're a big media company who's invested in Comcast like Vox Media, you can't scale down to that size. You can be nimble enough to have a couple employees who are all paid uh, throughout so reader supported and a couple of native sponsored or native advertisement posts. So, like, I even, too, I think big sites are going to be fine, right? Like, super big media companies like Vox, BuzzFeed, they're going to be fine because of how yeah. entrenched they are. Yeah. They're the ones you see in Snapchat. They're the ones who have content deals of all these companies. Vice yeah. Media is going to and be I, fine. And I think also BuzzFeed um, and The Verge, probably, are switching to native advertising more. Um, they're, they're sort of uh, – I think there was a talk about this from uh, – I was listening to a podcast uh, – which has an employee of BuzzFeed, and um, this they said that they're they're really bringing in the native advertising. Was side it tomorrow with uh, Joshua Tobolsky, the one he had? No, the, he yeah, I think yes, it was. Yeah, he, I remember he did it. He did an episode of someone who yes, worked at yes. BuzzFeed. Yeah, so he, I think he said, I think there was a guest who worked at, but uh, I think it was like an editor, um, and he said that they're really sort of changing their model with uh, native advertising in the mix. So not just the old school banner ads that you have these days. 
Well, even too, I think like, so for example, like we have um, some of the YouTube channels I follow, they have, you know, Intel sends all those boxes every now and then. Of like yes. a crazy ones for them to unbox and make a video about it. Right. It's sponsored by Intel, right? That right. kind of content I'm fine with. Because, you know, the person, if it's going to get viewed, because people are usually on like a YouTube channel, people are there for the personality. Yes. They're there for the person. And to see them completely, like, how are they do their unboxing style and do it with like an Intel sponsored box, it's still, it's still, you're still getting their, um, their content, even though the product's been paid for. It's played product placement. And My, they're really upfront about yeah, it, then it's definitely. fine. Definitely. My thoughts on the whole thing are not even like from an ethics point of view, it's a technical point of view. Um, I, I have my mobile data provider is 3G only. There's no LTE. Because, right, static. because, because Canadian telecoms suck and they're expensive and I don't want to pay for LTE. Um, and Adblock really kills at increasing speed for page loads for for any web page really any well, web page that has ads on it and trackers on it it's just crazy how the difference and i think to too, there's another argument that had to be about trackers right yes because some people want content blockers because they don't want to be tracked and other people just don't want ads and there's an important distinction to make there and if you don't want trackers then you are like i am perfect i'm all for that yes. i understand the reasons why you don't want trackers like uh, not wanting ads is one thing because you know like you don't just care about people getting paid and all that but then not wanting trackers is another thing yes yeah it's those are two separate things but I, I think most of the time people say that ads are also tracker beacons because well they are um but yeah, that's why if you use ghostry for example it's going to block some ads because their ads are trying to track you yeah stuff but like, it's also going to block the facebook tracking widgets as well yes yes so really when you ad block you also block trackers in general and to be honest, both sides are, it's just, I want to say the advertising industry is freaking out for really not that big of a reason, maybe. And most people are not going to install ad blockers. Well, maybe. Yeah, like uh, my mom, for example, isn't going to go to the app store and download a content blocker called Peace by, made by Marco Armand, even if it is one which, of the top charging Which ads. he pulled from the app which store. He, which he pulled because it didn't feel right. Because Marco, it's, it's you know, it can't be, you know, there's drama involved when it's Marco. Yes, there's all, he's very melodramatic. He's always melodramatic. He is, there's a whole blog post about it. I'll put it in the show notes. Um, but yeah, so he made an app. It was two ninety nine, And it was on the top of the app store for like a whole two days before he pulled it. Yep. He was raking in the dollars, and then he decided that it, it didn't suit him morally, which I'm fine with. And I don't think people should be criticizing him for making a moral decision. I also think you shouldn't be selling an ad blocker because that. Yes. Yeah. That, that's. Yeah. Uh, firstly, they're not that hard to develop because you're just literally telling you're sending a, sec, a text to Safari. But I don't. I think selling an ad blocker is a scummy thing to do. And ad blockers should not be people's main projects because, firstly, right. it like I I think ad blockers should be uh, like there's certain things in life that I feel like going open source is generally the better route. Yeah. But for example, the software on your router should most likely you know run the open source stuff. Just yeah, just, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Like ad blockers as well probably use the open source stuff just so you know what's going on there. Yeah, with stuff like that, it's counterintuitive to not be open source because. The whole point is you're 
avoiding malicious content. And if the the one the thing that is blocking malicious content is malicious itself, yeah. Well, that's yeah. Because Adblog that, Plus, for example, has a deals with certain companies. Yes, which is why you should be using uBlock. uBlock um, Origin is. Yeah. Uh, I recommend Origin because that one has. That one's more geared towards trackers in general. Right. And uBlock is just a gen is just a replacement for AdBlock. So if you're using Chrome or Firefox, you should be and it's faster, technically faster, because they're using a different algorithm. It's lighter on resources. Yes, it's definitely very much lighter on resources. Uh, you'll notice that right away if you if you use Firefox, it's definitely a noticeable improvement. Yep. And I think that this is isn't as big of a deal as this. People are gonna forget about this in a week. Uh, it's gonna like Twitter things. Most things on Twitter that pick up a big deal. Yeah, I saw. I read this one piece where someone's like, "The future of the internet is cable television," which I guess in some ways, but I don't. What did they mean by that exactly? They, they meant mean... by, um, for example, piece of ad blockers. You just have to pay for bulk subscriptions to a certain amount of content oh, feed. Oh, I see. The networks are never going to be able to come up. I see. Okay. Um, yes. Yeah, so, that... say for example, you want The Verge, and because Vox Media owns a bunch of other sites, you paying for The Verge, you're going to also be paying for those sites you never read. Yeah, so, you're going to be playing for. Uh, let's try that again. So you want like a Vox Media for... package, right? Because you want to read The Verge and Polygon. But yeah, that, Polygon. You're also be paying for Rack. Like, so, if, if you're not, if, you if you're not yeah. interested in Polygon at all, you're still paying for it. Yeah. So, so if you're like, if you're. Content asked, it would be like Ars Technica, Wired, and whatever other sites they have. And you're going to pay for all the Condé Nast sites because you're going to put it in a bundle because that's the only way they can make money. That's like that's the, that's the thesis of that piece, at least, which I'm not sure if that's true. I get the sentiment, right? Because, you know, the internet isn't where to be right now if it wasn't for ad-supported content. But at the end of the day, um, back in the 90s, there was something called pop-up ads, and every everyone just said no. No. And internet advertising didn't die then. No, I don't think it's going to die now. I think yeah, it's gonna... yeah, definitely. Yes, that's, you know, the industries industry, don't die; the... they change and adapt. Uh, I think the industry, like the, for example, when, when Uber, is not dying; it's no, changing it's and adapting. Pop-ups. And people are. <sighs> I'm not sure Gruber is complaining because his, his is native advertising, so I'm not sure what he's complaining about. But, um, really, when pop-ups got killed because every browser included pop-up blockers, nobody complained. Well, I probably people complained, but. It, it didn't kill the industry. You're doing what's better for the users, right? That's why Microsoft had do not track by default on Internet Explorer because it's better oh, to not have people track by default. Speaking of do not track, the, the advertising industry was given an option with that, and they turned it down. They sabotaged the working group process. Um, and the guy who – one of the people who worked uh, with on in the working group uh, with, in the IETF – uh, for for the do not track standard, um, said that the advertising industry was really sabotaging that at every turn they could get. Like they, they didn't want it. And the and the and the thing we got at the end is like a bastardized, torn down version of it. Really powerless. Nothing nothing to be uh, uh, talking about. Really, do not track is useless. Really, mm-hmm. no, it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant at this point. And I think, is this where we end the podcast? Because I feel like this is a bad... I think, yeah, I think this is where we end the podcast, basically. Basically, like the our, our closing thoughts is that industries adapt. Some people might lose their jobs. That really sucks. 
but don't don't think that you're going to spend the rest of your life earning fifty thousand a year in New York writing two thousand words a day about technology. It's not that's not how things work. No, uh, industries change. You gotta you gotta adapt. Like Steve Ballmer said, you're like a shark. You have to keep on swimming all your time. <laughs> yes, let's end with that uh, Steve Ballmer quote. That's perfect. All right. Uh, for all your feedback, please uh, please email s at sonics.com. Mm-hmm. Or and, uh, if you leave a five star review in iTunes. Or our, I don't know what Apple does now. And I want th- this week. Our question to you is: Is what will you will you sponsor my podcast? That that is my question to you this week. Yes, native will advertising. You, yes. Will you will you do a native advertising on my podcast? And how many trackers would you put in there? How do you put a tracker on a podcast? But okay. Um, with that, uh, we're ending this podcast. Have a nice day, people. <laughs>